1991, a Japanese company approached the Snaha Nation in British Columbia with proposals to develop Jumbo Glacier Resort, which would have been the largest and highest elevation ski area in North America. After 30 years of tense conflict going all the way to the Supreme Court, the Snaha Nation was successful in protecting their ancestral and spiritual lands from this development. In this conversation, Catherine Tanise, the chairwoman of the Snaha Nation Council, joins me to share the story. Catherine, Tanise, I'm so grateful that you are willing to share your morning and your time with me for this interview. Your nation, the Tanaha Nation, has been and just concluded a 30-year battle for the protection of a great swath of land at Jumbo Glacier um, that was earmarked 30 years ago by a Japanese company for development into a ski resort that would have really caused a lot of damage to the site. Um, not only from an environmental standpoint, also from a spiritual standpoint and a meaningful site for your nation. And I'm hoping that you can share that story with us this morning. But I'm, I would like to just start with your story. Where are you from? How did you become the chief negotiator for your nation council? And what has that role been like? Well, I've been in, involved, I guess, basically all my life. It's it's something that, um, you know, just because of the generation that I'm from, that we needed to ensure that uh, our path towards uh, our self-determination, towards uh, uh, achieving our vision, which we worked very hard to establish. So, so I've been involved from for a long time. And um, in 1996, I was asked asked by our nation to um, to be the chief negotiator in treaty negotiations with Canada and British Columbia. And that's sort of connected to what we're talking about today, but, uh, you know, in a, a sort of a dotted line kind of way, it, it wasn't an actual, uh, it wasn't an actual item that we were dealing with. It was an item that was going on sort of off, uh, off to the side, but it certainly has an impact in terms of overall relationship between ourselves and the governments and between ourselves and, uh, our neighbors and ourselves and the developers, you know, all of those things. And I think that the, um, where we started from has really, it, it really taught us a lot of things in terms of how we needed to move forward. And uh, I think it was a, it was a really good learning experience, disappointing in some ways, but at the same time, um, very, uh, it was a, it was something that that helped us uh, move forward on on a lot of other in a lot of other areas sure so for those listeners who are coming from all over the world who may not be familiar with where you're located um, and this site in particular i'm wondering if you can share just a little bit about your location and what this site means um, and what the proposal was and why it was so problematic Okay, the where we are located is in the southeastern corner of British Columbia, which is one of the provinces in Canada. Where the you know, British Columbia is the westernmost province in in British Columbia, but where we're located is the southeastern portion. Uh, we're in the Rocky Mountains, and we border Alberta, Washington, 
Idaho and Montana. So uh, we, you know, where we're, we're sitting is kind of away from uh, um, large population uh, uh, centers, which is just fine with us. But, uh, uh, and I, and the area that we're talking about is, is what I would say right in the heartland of, of our homeland, uh, what we refer to as Amakis Dunaha. And um, what the plan was, and we were approached in the early 90s uh, by a, a developer who had had this dream about establishing a ski resort um, sort of with a European flavor. You know, he talked about where he had skied in, in uh, Europe and, and had this vision of, of building this huge development that uh, would have uh, brought uh, – in his uh, view, thousands of, of people, um, you know, a day, never mind, um, you know, uh, and then sort of extrapolate that out to figure out what that would mean, uh, you know, on a on an annual basis. Uh, and uh, building ski lifts and, uh, you know, condos and all of those things. So when he first approached us, we said to him, um, you know, we're not we're not opposed to the idea of any kind of development. That's not what our what our issue is. But what we're concerned about is having all those human beings being there on a on a full time basis. So that was more our concern. So we said to him, if you go away and uh, think about this again and and see how you can achieve what you want to achieve without having people to stay there, why can't they just come in? Uh, enjoy the place and go out and uh, and so we talked about uh, you, you know because initially I think he was talking about 7,500 beds or something like that I don't you know it's it was huge you know it, it was a huge dream and yeah, it was but what it was the second Whistler was what they were looking yeah for. exactly yeah. yeah yeah and so he and so he said okay and and then he he went away and then he came back and he said and he said well I was able to move it down to you know and these numbers are are sort of just from my memory that but it just gives you a sense of of what what it was we were having to deal with he came back and said well how about 6000 <laughs> And, you know, we said, well, you know, you obviously didn't hear us because that isn't, that isn't what we were talking about. And, and so, so our, our disagreement began, you know, that, but uh, we found that, that, um, you know, he wasn't hearing what we were saying. Uh, we, you know, we were consistent in our messaging and saying that, uh, you know, we're happy that people want to go to this special place and we're happy, you know, there's all kinds of, of um, you know, there's, it's such a beautiful place. And, you know, we know that for, for people that that's, you know, like uh, backcountry skiing, that it's an awesome place to go. And we would be happy that people went there, but just don't stay there. So, but uh, that isn't, you know, that isn't really what he had in mind. And in fact, you know, I think about, um, you know, it was really a, an attempt to sort of the thin edge of the wedge, you know, start start with a ski resort and then start selling condos, et cetera, et cetera. And just down the road, um, I should mention just, you know, down the road, and I, I'm not sure of distance, but not very far is the panorama. Uh, um, well, it started out as a ski hill. I remember when it was a ski hill, and now it's a. Now it is a mini Whistler. You know, it's a it's a 
there's a development there. There's a golf course, um, you know, and uh, it, it's not really very far. So we weren't sure how in the world that that, that part of uh, our territory was going to be able to accommodate all those people. You know, how how were we going to be able to, to provide a, you know, to provide uh, space for, you know, for all of these people to participate in the same activity. So, and, and so we did things uh, and over the years now, I'm, I'm sort of uh, fast forwarding, but over the years we did things like economic studies and, and uh, had people come in and, and have a look as well as the, all of the, the, um, the ecology, you know, all of the concerns that we had in terms of, of the damage to wildlife habitat, the impact on, grizzly bears um and um you know i mentioned that because that was extremely important both from a from a perspective of the the animal the grizzly bear animal as well as the grizzly bear spirit which is what our argument was when we went to the supreme court of canada you know we were talking about having a place uh, so that that uh, an important part of our spirituality could continue to exist. And we felt that uh, a development on that place would um, damage it so badly, you know, that um, we would not be able to experience it in the same way, you know, by having people there on a constant basis. So, you know, so we, you, you know, we were working on a whole number of fronts and uh, we did participate in all of the processes because part of what needs to happen when these kind of developments occur, consultation with the capital C, you know, is a legal requirement. And uh, we, we participated, we participated as uh, a party in environmental assessments and, um, and the evidence that was coming back was saying, there's nothing that can be done to mitigate the damage, you know, and we're saying, okay, well, uh, we agree with that. However, uh, from a political perspective, uh, we were not being supported by a provincial government who were, um, you know, were, you know, very much behind this idea of this development. And, uh, you know, the fact that it didn't make sense that didn't matter, you know, they decided that they were going to back it and, and did so by approving the master development agreement, you know, after much work that we had done, uh, and not just us, you know, we were, we were doing, um, sort of arguing what, uh, you know, what the impacts were on us as, as Indigenous people, but then at the same time, environmental groups, you know, like Wild Sight and, and uh, Jumbo Wild and others were expressing their concern about, uh, you know, about the things that, that were important to them. And all of us were saying the same thing. We do not want this development in this area. And, but the, the decision makers were not, we're not having that. They weren't hearing us. They weren't, you know, maybe they were hearing us, but they weren't, you know, weren't acknowledging that, uh, that what we were saying had any validity. So, so it was, uh, you know, it, it was, a uh, it was a difficult time and a difficult situation. So when uh, the first decision that was made by the d- statutory decision maker to approve the master development agreement, we challenged that we said, 
you made a decision and you did not take into account all of the information that we provided to you. And that was our argument. So we went to the first level of court in British Columbia and uh, provided our, our information and we were not successful. We appealed that decision and then went uh, to the Supreme Court of British Columbia where we were, uh, you know, we're saying, well, the first judge made some errors when he came to his conclusion and he, and we argued again. There was what we believe was some very important part of the information that you did not comment on, you, you know, and you were, you were basically silent on. And that was with, with respect to the impacts on our, our spirituality. And so when we when we were not successful there, we you know the final step was the Supreme Court of Canada, and that was a huge undertaking for us. I mean, we didn't have uh, a lot of resources uh, available to us, but we you know we decided that this was too important, um, too important for us just to let it go, because it, it had now become not so much about the ski resort, but the fact that uh, that we have. Um, the right to our spiritual freedoms, you know, as recognized in Canada's Charter and Rights and Freedoms. But, but what we were being told is that that uh, it didn't matter, and that's at least that's the way that we were, you know, that we were translating it. That, and uh, so we were arguing that that our spirituality had the right to exist alongside Christianity, you know, Judaism, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And, and be acknowledged and be recognized and, you know, be honored. And um, so needless to say, uh, you know, again, fast forward, go, you know, we went and, uh, you know, built our arguments, went to the Supreme Court. But as soon as we got to Ottawa, I remember walking into the, the building and sitting down in the courtroom and having the Chief Justice and her, and her eight colleagues come to sit at the front bench, she came out. She announced. Uh, she announced what the case was. She started off by mispronouncing my name, mispronouncing Dunaha Nation, and uh, and it was at that point where I'm going, man, are we ever in the wrong place? This is this is not this is not a friendly place for us. This is not going to you know this is not going to achieve what we were hoping that it was going to achieve. So. But we went through the, you know, through the process and, and we heard from, um, you know, heard from supporters, including, um, you know, including government, the government of Canada supported, or the government of, of Canada, yeah, because we were arguing against British Columbia, supported us. And uh, our, one of our legal counsel said that was the first time ever that he had been on the same side of the, of the same side of the, of the courtroom as the government of Canada on an issue like this. So it was, uh, you know, and, and we had religious groups also supporting us, you know, saying that, you know, that they were acknowledging that our right to, you know, to our spiritual freedom sh- should exist alongside everyone else's. And, uh, but we were, you know, again, we were not successful. But the fact is, I think that we've raised the bar. I think that that the issue is live, and uh, you know, hopefully, some other indigenous nation is going to come along and build on what we started. Because uh, because I I do believe that uh, it's it's up to indigenous people in in Canada to um, 
to breathe life into the charter of rights and freedoms because it needs to be there for everybody. You know, it's, it's not just uh, for uh, a certain segment of society, nor should it be. And, uh, but that's another battle and, you know, and whether it's, you know, and it's certainly not ours, but we, we would like to think that we've, you know, we've at least uh, set the table for, you know, to build on, on that, uh, that argument and that we will be able to, to move down that path. So, so bring us to today, you know, and uh, you know what uh, all of this, all of, while all of this was happening, we were looking around to see what, you know, what is it that we can do to build on what we'd done uh, as we'd been moving along. Um, I should mention in 2010, we had uh, developed a, a Gutmuk declaration and a set of stewardship principles, which we, we, we brought to Victoria, which is the, the provincial capital in, in British Columbia. We, we brought it there. And uh, um, while we didn't present it in the, in the government uh, proceedings, we, we presented to a minister of the crown to say that uh, here's what we think should be happening there. And we're prepared to work with whoever is interested in working with us to, you know, to do this. And uh, so we did that, as I said, in 2010 and 2011, we went back just to reiterate our message. And, uh, but at the same time, we were working on, um, on developing and putting some, putting some meat on the bones of our, of our uh, stewardship principles and our, our declaration. So that was going along. And then, you know, then again, as I said, there was other, other discussions, other things happening. And then we, we ended up crossing paths with uh, Eli Enns, you know, who was involved with the indigenous uh, protected and conserved areas. And Canada at the time had a a goal to set aside uh, 1% of, um, of lands to, you know, for protection and um, the this IPCA uh, was something that uh, we thought that sounds interesting. Perhaps we might be able to use that as a tool to to be able to uh, to deal with our our issue. And uh, we put together a you know we put together our package. We um, we submitted it and were successful. So we were. Finally, we were getting something that was, uh, you know, that was positive. And uh, so that sort of brings us to where we are today in terms of, of doing the work of, of building this Indigenous protected and conserved area that uh, will allow us to afford the protection that uh, that makes sense to us as Kutunaka people and also makes sense to our neighbours. You know, I think it's really important that... Uh, you know that we're living in in an area together and we need to work together to figure out how do we do things that make sense to all of us and i think that that's one of the things that um out of all of this is is of to me of critical importance of showing that we are able to you know to to share interests and perhaps disagree sometimes, but at least we will find a way to, you know, uh, to move forward in, in, you know, in a positive uh, vein so that uh, we can continue to, to live side by side, because that's, that's the reality of the world that, you know, that we find ourselves in. 
So uh, we're working um, very diligently on, in terms of um, our first goal is to identify the area that we want to protect. We, you know, we we know roughly what we're talking about, but we want to be able to, from a physical perspective, to say, okay, this is <laughs> this is the area on the map that is going to be inside of that indigenous protected and conserved area. And then we will set out, you know, what does that mean? And we would like to, we would like to work on this. And I guess one of the, one of the things that I, I most appreciate about this process is the fact that, that what we're building is going to be unique to us. You know, certainly others can look at it as, as a partial model, but you know, it's not going to be a one size fits all, you know, what someone, what another, uh, Indigenous group did in another part of the country will look to, but we certainly don't need to, we don't need a mirror, we don't need to mimic, you know, that we will build something that is, you know, that makes sense for the people and, uh, and most importantly for the Dunaha people in this, uh, you know, on this landscape. So, uh, you know, so it's, 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 it's exciting, you know, uh, because we we're getting to do finally do something that is uh, going to show what it is that we talk about as indigenous people in our connection to our homeland. Um, because, you know, this is something that is inherent. It's, it's part of who we are. It's part of our DNA. It's not, you know, it's not something that, uh, you know, that, uh, you know, we don't, you know, that we just decided to do. It's, it's something that has been, uh, important to Dunaha people since they've been on this place. And so what we talk about today in the 21st century, you know, is, uh, just a continuation of what, you know, what previous, you know, our previous generations have, you know, have attempted to, to do their job was to protect the homeland for, you know, for their future generations as it remains to be ours. And, uh, and in our case, uh, we have neighbors, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, generations previously did not have this, you know, they didn't have uh, as many neighbors as, as we have to, as we have today, but, uh, you know, they certainly were, uh, you know, we're all about making sure that, that uh, as they say, if we look after the land, the land will look after us, you know, and that's, that's something that's really important, you know, from our perspective. And I think that uh, we have an opportunity here to be able to, to demonstrate, you know, how, uh, how and articulate in a way that hopefully others can see that this is what we're talking about, you know, because uh, we know that the whole notion of indigenous people and land, and you know, it's 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 it become has become romanticized to a certain extent, you know, by you know by others, and um, you know, and now, but we need to talk about it from a practical and pragmatic perspective, and we need to be talking about it, you know, in you know, in real life, you know, not just, uh, you know, these are, we're not talking about things from a, you know, from a, you know, from a, a theoretical uh, place anymore. We're talking about something real. And uh, so, so, um, you know, really looking forward to the plans that we move forward, we're moving forward with. I mean, we've got, 
things like we're developing a guardian program, you know, to involve young people. And we're, you know, and it just, you know, just, there's just so many things that are so exciting, you know, and from my perspective and my generation, you know, to me, it's a, it's a really a, a way of, of finally we're going to be expressing ourselves, you know, sort of in an unfettered way that this is, this is something that, that we're doing and we're doing it for ourselves, but we're also doing it for others, you know, so, and, and guess what? The sun still came up the next day, you know, and, and it's not, you know, it's, it's not a, um, you know, it's not a bad thing. And I guess, uh, you know, I, I think about what's happening in, in our world, you know, in the province of British Columbia and in Canada, you know, things like, um, Finally, that we're moving, we're going to be able to move forward with the um, uh, the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. You know that the uh, UN uh, passed in two thousand seven, and uh, you know, and for the most part, it was words. You know, now we have something that uh, that we're again. It's up to us to breathe life into it and makes you know to show that those words have meaning and and basically to be able to demonstrate to you know to the state you know the nation state of Canada and, and you know it's it, you know it's uh, offshoot British Columbia that we are quite capable of of uh, fulfilling um, the articles within the declaration and we we will do it in a way that does not have it doesn't have to be a negative thing you know we always find ourselves in an us and them kind of situation and our world doesn't have to be built that way you know and unfortunately that's the way that that's the world that that we found you know that we've allowed to to evolve over time and perhaps if we can somehow find some way to start you know to start reversing that and getting to a place where recognition that uh, we are all a part of something that uh, none of us have any more control over anybody else or anything else but we sh- you know let's try and do the best that we can because we can look around us and see what is happening you know our human impacts on this earth are are astounding and not always in a good way and uh, unless we do something you know and we have to all be committed and do something together and not feel that someone's being hard done by because you know because you have to behave in a more appropriate way to you know to ensure survival of this of this planet um you know it it's it's possible but uh but we, you know, it's it's a matter of 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 um, you know looking at the world and having a, a different, you know, a different perspective, a different worldview, and that's one of the things that uh, I guess really has uh, has been so uh, evident to you know to us as we've been moving forward in in this path is that the fact that our worldview is so different from everyone else. I mean, we, we see ourselves as just part of the whole. And, you know, for the most part, we see, uh, you know, others behave as though it's the human being that's at the top of this, you know, this pyramid and rules the world. And that's what's gotten us into trouble. You know, the fact is, is that 
human beings are going to, you know, they're, they have their time on the earth, but what do they do? They just go back into the earth the same as everything else. You know, the tree that dies goes back into the earth, they, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, just because humans can, are capable of things doesn't mean they have to do all of the things that they are necessarily capable of, you know, that, um, that are of a negative impact on, on so many fronts. So anyway, it's sort of, dry, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about where we've come from, but all of the things that I've just said, they all, you know, it, they all went into the mix as, as we were moving forward. Because if you can imagine that we were hearing, uh, we were getting affidavits from, uh, you know, from knowledge holders and elders that, uh, you know, were talking about their connection to the place. And, you know, that was, you know, far longer than, than mine or any, you know, than and other younger people. But, uh, but, but philosophically, it was, you know, they were just uh, expressing how it impacted them at that, at that time, you know, and it really, you know, was not much different from, you know, from the, the so-called modern day impacts that we had to deal with. I mean, it was, it all came back to the same place of, of we had a, you know, we have a responsibility of ensuring that uh, we are behaving as responsible stewards of the land. And that's, uh, you know, that's not, uh, you know, that's not something that we made up today. You know. Right. And what I think is so brilliant about the approach that was taken was it was collaborative. It rejected this scarcity mentality that it, you know, there's a, a zero sum game here you know, reading through the transcripts of various meetings. And I went back into some of the court documents and there were so many different and, but equally valid and important aspects of this discussion in this case through the 30 years. I mean, it, the, the court case that the Supreme court was ultimately lost. And then, you know, the whole thing flipped again, once the IPCA approach came through. And, and so it's, it's interesting to, to hear your perspective and your experience working through the process of protecting that piece of land. And also that it's a good reminder that it's an ongoing process. It doesn't just end when one court case concludes. It doesn't just end when one IPCA agreement is passed or when one new collaborative comes through or when one stewardship principle is written. It's an ongoing collaborative process that that has to be continued. So thank you for the work that you've done for the work that other folks have done. I'm curious before I let you go, what are you most excited for with what comes next? The thing that excites me most is the fact that, that we have this uh, actually kind of a, a, a formal way of, of passing on information to the, you know, to succeeding generations. And uh, you know, that is, that's happened. That just happens, you know, just by, by living. But uh, in this instance, you know, we have an opportunity to, you know, to, to formalize some of this and, and uh, hopefully that we're, you know, we're going to be able to, to create uh, a place, you know, for, um, credentials to be acquired and, and, you know, sort of for, for that type of recognition to, you know, to, to sort of be put into the mix. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that have, um, um, 
knowledge, you know, that can't be measured in any kind of, you know, sort of, you know, any kind of academic way, but at the same time that, uh, that we know that that part of it is important, you know, in terms of, of credibility, you know, and I mean, it's unfortunate, but it, you know, that's the way of the world. And, uh, you know, so I, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm excited about, and when I hear, you know, young people talking about, talking about you know sort of their their dreams about you know and their connection to a place in this time you know in this time and this place that uh you know that can be compared to uh you know thinking about them and their you know their uh you know several generations ago <laughs> ancestors that they're you know they're carrying on that work and that's you know, that's, that's exciting. And I guess the other thing, you know, that is exciting to me from, you know, from a, a, uh, a sort of a governance and, uh, you know, negotiator perspective is the fact that we're, you know, we're going to be in, able to express ourselves and to demonstrate to others that what we're talking about um, is possible and, it, you know, and it's not going to be, you know, and it's not going to be to anyone's detriment. Um, you know, the unfortunate thing, and, uh, you know, just digressing for a minute in terms of the negotiation process, that as I sit, sometimes I sit at the negotiating table and, and talking to government representatives. And one of the things that, that strikes me sometimes when they say things about, you know, if we propose something and, and they're countering back, that they they think that we think like them, you know that we're going to behave like them because that's what they would do if if they were asking or you know they were suggesting or they're proposing something, they have a reason why and they and they think that that's our reason and that a lot of times that's not the case and that's you know and again that's part of the the challenge that we faced as we've gone as we've gone along on our paths you know whether it be with gutbook or you know anything else that we do that again it goes it goes right back to the whole worldview place that uh, you know we're not like you when it comes to certain things and you should open your minds a little bit to, you know, to listen to what it is that we're saying, because we're not saying it to win, you know, it, you know, we don't think about it in the same way. You know, it's not a, you know, it's not a win lose kind of situation. We're, we're trying to think about what is it that we can do, for the great, you know, for the greater good. I mean, it sounds, it sounds kind of hokey, but it's, you know, but it's, but really that's what we're trying to do. You know, we're, we're trying to get to, you know, we're trying to do something that, uh, you know, that, that is beneficial to all. And, you know, it's, it's, it's extremely difficult given, um, you know, the, the challenges that we face and the fact that, you know, we're still, uh, you know, we're still very marginalized and, and, you know, we still are, are dealing with, um, you know, the colonizers and their mindsets, you know, which, uh, you know, which are quite different from if, if we, if we had a chance to start over and started from the place of, of, um, you know, what was intended, say, for example, in the Royal Proclamation of 1763, you know, which talked about, you know, 
we came to this place, there's people there, we need to talk to them and we need to figure this out. And if we would have, if we would have continued down that path, you know, maybe we'd be in a different place now. But the unfortunate thing is, is that we were quickly, uh, we quickly found ourselves facing um, a, a situation that was totally um, based on um, the you know, a, a misguided sense of superiority of one group over another. And that's, you know, and, and as soon as you start down that path, it's, it's really hard to, you know, to reel it back in. And, and, you know, now here we are 2020, you know, trying to undo some of these things. And I mean, it's not just us, but I mean, just the state of this, this world and, um, you know, the, the things that, that people are now now raising, trying to raise consciousness about, but it's going to be a hard, it's, it's going to be a, a hard thing to undo. We've got so much undoing that, uh, you know, I'm not sure whether or not, well, certainly not within my lifetime. I don't expect to, you know, I don't expect things to be undone, but I'm hoping that we, what we are doing, trying to do is to create a better place you know, so that my grandchildren and their grandchildren, you know, will have a different kind of, of way that they coexist with each other, because that's really what it's about, that it's, it's, we need, you know, we have no choice, you know, it's not like we can each, uh, you know, build a wall, <laughs> you know, so, yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, this so, is the one world we have. But, you know, so that, you know, yeah. so I'm hoping that, that the little bit of work that we're doing will contribute to, you know, sort of, uh, you know, piece by piece, getting to that different place, you know, whatever it's going to look like, we don't know. But, uh, you know, if we can, if we can, if we can move the needle somewhat, you know, I think that will be a good thing. Yeah. And, and I would, from my perspective, it looks like you already have. So again, thank you so much for the work that you've done for the work that your nation has done. And like you said, the table is set for whoever comes along next to continue that work. Uh, and I'm hopeful that that will continue to happen. So thank you for spending some time with, with me and, and sharing. Well, thank you very much for the time. It's and really been thank you for the opportunity to, to, to share our story, because I think it's important that, uh, you know, that we do that. And, and sometimes we forget about that. We forget that uh, not everybody was there and not everybody knows, you know, sort of the, a lot of the, the, the background of, of how and why. And I think it's important to share that part. So thank you for, for this opportunity. And, uh, Please uh, feel free, you know, there are, you know, there are all kinds of other things that are happening, uh, you know, around this, uh, around this planet and things that we're involved with that we'd be happy to, to share our, our thoughts about. So thank you again. And where can... And where can people, if they wanted to, well, they can the find it on our website at uh, denakai.org. More information um, that uh, we're in the process now of of uh, 
sort of trying to make sure that it's it's up to date and we do have uh, you know we've been telling our story um, and so if you go to denacha.org it'll bring you to other places to talk about specific activities that we're involved with great thank you so much thank you 